Blog Talk Radio. I gotta get rid of that. Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr. Welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show, everybody. Uh, breaking news. Bomb threats are here and across America, across the country. Bomb threats. Uh, the police are saying there's no credible uh, evidence to that. Someone's, it's probably a hoax, but still in all, bomb threats are all across America. Bomb threats. Someone's making bomb threats. Someone is uh, saying we're going to blow you up, but there's no evidence. There's no bombs. There's no nothing. So authorities said, well, it's just a hoax. We don't know if it's a hoax or not. They better make sure it's a hoax because we don't want people uh, dying, getting blown up. But they are saying that there is no credible evidence of there being a bomb threat. That could be true. But I'm just hoping they do a thorough investigation, right? Okay, let's say there is no bomb threat, uh, but these people are sending out letters saying that there are bomb threats. Um, now the FBI, I mean, the local police officers, the detectives, they're going to be, their number one priority is going to be right now. I'm pretty, I'm thinking that it's <clears throat> their priority as at this very minute is to find out who is sending these bomb threats and the person or persons who are uh, responsible for this, they are going to get plenty of jail time. They are going to go to prison because why? Because it's you know it's it's a threat. I mean, you're using manpower, personnel. You're using a lot of police officers, man hours, 
people are working this, you know, and if it's a threat and, uh, you know, and officers are out here looking here and there, you, you have the bomb squad everywhere trying to, uh, their job is to defuse uh, bombs. Uh, and if there's no bomb, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. You're using these people's time. These people, you know, there could be doing something else that is not a hoax, that is very, very uh, uh, live where they have to actually go and save lives. Wasting their time on something that's not credible, other people could be dying because of uh, a lot of uh, the authority is wasting their time looking for a bomb and there's no bomb. So these guys are going to get caught and they are going straight to jail if they're guys, girls, or whoever these people are who are making these bomb threats. But anyway, I haven't heard anything from President uh, about to say Obama, but uh, Trump. Uh, he hasn't said anything so far about these bomb threats. Um, Trump still haven't, hasn't got a chief of staff, as you probably know. John Kelly walked out. We don't know if John Kelly was fired or, or he decided to quit. We don't know. My thinking is he, he probably was fired. Uh, maybe he walked off because he just he just couldn't take it no more. <clears throat> he couldn't take it no more. I mean, Rex Tillerson, he walked away. Trump fired him because Trump, from what I understand, Trump fired him because he wouldn't let Trump break the law. And Trump is saying right now that he did not break the law when it, uh, that his current lawyer, Michael, it's so much shit going on, folks. It's, it's pitiful. I mean, you can, you can barely uh, get all of this shit correct and right because so much, is, so much of it has happened. Uh, I, think, I think America will never live down Donald Trump. You know, once he leaves office, uh, once he's out of the White House, our, America will never live down this, this monster, this, this criminal, this thug, this liar. Did you see the Oval Office debacle? I mean, among other things, Trump constantly lied about there is a wall being built on the U.S.-Mexico border. He's saying there is a, ball, a wall now being constructed right now. It's being built right now. And everybody who's anybody knows that's a big, fat fucking lie. I mean, the guy just lied right there on national television, world television, where the world could see, and just lied. As if he thinks we're stupid. I, I think Trump does think we're stupid. Maybe he, you know, I mean, he's beyond being a pathological liar. But anyway, he hasn't got a chief of staff yet, you know, since the departure of John Kelly. A lot of people that he's looking for and wants, they turned him down. Nobody wants to work for Donald Trump. I mean, nobody wants to work for Donald Trump. A lot of the people who are in the White House working for Donald Trump, they're going to be looking for jobs after he goes to jail. And a lot of these folks, uh, uh, staff members in the White House, they're going to be looking for jobs. After Donald Trump goes to prison, and, and they're going to find themselves in interviews, and they're going to have to give the last place that they've worked. And if they say the White House under Donald Trump, no, they will not get hired. 
Remember, folks, Donald Trump is looking for a chief of staff, and no one wants to do it. People have been turning him down left and right. Why would anyone want to work for Donald Trump when he's on his fucking way to prison? He could offer me the job, and I wouldn't take it. I said, no, man, you're going to jail pretty soon. Uh-uh. Because if you if you um, take a job working for Donald Trump, you will be corrupted. You he will try to get you to do something that's against the law. Your ass is going to jail. You will be indicted. You will get uh, a three year <laughs> jail sentence, as Michael Cohen has gotten. Nobody wants to work for Donald Trump, and I don't blame him. I could be broke as hell. I would not want to work for Donald Trump. Because if you work for Donald Trump, he has the audacity to corrupt people around him. Turn them into crooks and thugs and con men like himself. And he will cause you to go to jail and lie his ass off that he had nothing to do with anything. And we know Donald Trump directed his lawyer fixer his lawyer of 12 20 years uh to do his dirty work we know that we know that donald trump lied bullshitted conned and cheated his way into the white house we all know that we know he's a pathological liar the washington post has documented over 1,000 lies told by this fucking president he lies to the uh, American people on a daily basis. We all know that. We all know that. Now exclusive. This is an exclusive. Jared Kushner, I, I believe, is uh, Donald Trump's son-in-law. He is vying for chief of staff. They're saying that he's next in line. I remember not too long ago, uh, John Voigt, the actor, he was all over the news, all over the media, saying that he would love to be Donald Trump's chief of staff. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Donald Trump doesn't want him. But the, the, but the, the thing is that John Voigt is a racist. He's a pig. He's an asshole actor. Uh, he's just as old as Donald Trump. And he's just as hateful. I mean, why would anybody want, want to volunteer to be Donald Trump's chief of staff? Because he he has no acting jobs. Nobody's calling him to act in a, in a movie or a television show. He's not doing a damn thing. So he wants to be chief of staff. So far, no takers on that. John Voigt, an actor who has no um, uh, political experience. He looks he looks as if he's around seventy five or eighty. He has no. Uh, political experience, but he is willing to kiss Donald Trump's ass. He is willing to be a white nationalist like Donald Trump. So we know what John Voigt is, is about, and we hope that he never, ever gets into our government because he will be a disaster, totally disaster. But we don't know. We don't know. Trump might, uh, he might be on the short list for chief of staff, but right now, this this the Huffington Post is saying that Jared Kushner is vying for uh, chief of staff. Okay, um, 
Trump considering son-in-law Jared Kushner for next. Wow. That's going to be a disaster because he doesn't know what the fuck. Uh, the president is in the third round of his search for a job not many people seem to want. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, having having to run through his first choices for his chief of staff vacancies without any luck, President Donald Trump is considering his own son-in-law for the job. Jared Kushner, Kushner the husband of Trump's daughter, Ivanka, and already in a an already an official White House advisor met with Trump Wednesday about the job. A top Republican close to the White House that he and two others close to Trump or the White House who confirmed Kushner's interest in the position did so on the condition of anonymity to discuss the president's staffing considerations freely. Kushner has been pushing his own candidacy with Trump, citing his work on a criminal justice reform package and claimed and a claimed ability to work with Democrats. One person said, I don't know why he thinks that when the Democrats are mainly going to be coming after Trump. Exactly. Exactly. This is why no one wants to take the chief of staff job. No one wants to work with Donald Trump. People know that Donald Trump is going down. People know that Donald Trump is on a sinking ship. Why would anybody want to jump on a sinking ship that's going to sink eventually all the way down into the depths of the water? Donald Trump is a crook. He's a crook. He's a felon. Why would anybody want to work for a felon as chief of staff? And Kushner is under investigation too. Collusion, uh, collusion with the Russians. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is a. Ne- excuse me, folks, and my tongue is tied. This is this is a never-ending saga with Trump. And as I've said at the, the beginning of the show, um, Donald, America, the world will never live down Donald, Donald Trump. As long as the world is in existence. We're going to be talking about Donald Trump long after he's dead and gone, and especially, especially out of the White House. There are tons and tons of articles about Donald Trump. There's going to be tons and tons of books written about him, and I'm doing a book. Um, but my book is basically, basically, as I've told some other people, my book is basically is going to be a timeline of events. Okay, it's just going to be a timeline of events. I'm doing something for history. For the kids that will be coming up, you know, the babies that are going to be coming up and the young people who are going to be taking over uh, as the old people are, including myself, as the old people, we uh, retire, uh, die off, you know, so it's it's a uh, timeline of events. So if you if you read my book on Donald Trump, you say, well, I've heard this. I, yeah, well, that's that happened. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm doing it for history, for people who who may not know what actually went on. But it's going to be a lot of people writing books about Donald Trump. So uh, history will not be kind to this president, and it should not be kind to this president. He's just been a fucking idiot and a fool, embarrassing this country left and right uh, with his distraction, his lies, his bullshit. Uh 
I do think that Donald Trump was installed into the presidency to destroy America. Because everything he's doing, everything he's doing, taking away this, upending that, that's the destruction of America. Getting rid of clean clean air, clean water. What the fuck is this man doing? Clean water, clean air, and so many other vital things for us to be healthy, to live a long, prosperous life. Donald Trump is ending. You name it. He's ending. He's putting it, I mean, just about everything Obama has done, he has, you know, exited out. But as I've said before, the next president can just exit everything out that Donald Trump has done to destroy America, and he knows it. He knows it. But I can say this. It's a good thing we had this blue wave way back in November. Not way back in November, but, you know, maybe last month or two months ago. Uh, That's a good thing because if we didn't do this blue wave, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Dictatorship would be front and center but now it's not because of, because the, Donald Trump he doesn't like it he has the Democrats to deal with because now there are checks and balances on his ass he doesn't like it that's why he's coming out being more of a dictator uh, well maybe let me say this a dictator wannabe because he'll never be that the constitution will stand the first and second amendments will stand he will not do shit and I'm wondering what whatever happened to the emolument laws, suing him for making for making money uh, on his businesses while he's president of the United States. I'm pretty sure we're going to hear something about that. And I want to hear about New York. New York is supposed to be suing him three or four times. I haven't heard anything on that. You know. So, and plus, uh, Mueller has more to come on Donald Trump. Donald Trump saying he didn't do shit. (laughs) We all know that's a lie. And the Republicans are making light of Donald Trump's two felonies casted by federal prosecutions. They are making light of these felony charges against Donald Trump. They are making light of his crimes. Donald Trump is making light of his crimes. But you know who is not making light of his crimes? The Democrats and special Counsel Robert Mueller. Trump is scared shitless. Trump got a feeling he's going to be impeached. Trump should know he's going to be indicted. Whether he's impeached, he's going to be indicted, or whether he resigns, he's going to be indicted. If he loses the election in 2020, he will be he will be indicted. And I've said this a thousand times: the presidency is saving Donald Trump's ass, especially if they're going with what's the. De- Department of Justice is saying that a sitting president cannot be indicted, which I think is bullshit. I think it's crap. I think a sitting president can be indicted. I think a sitting president who has committed crimes, uh, felonies, should be indicted. That's bullshit. This country lives under the Constitution. Not under the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice can write anything they want down on their books. Doesn't mean that we have to uh, abide by it. 
But the fact is that Donald Trump, that this is Donald Trump and that he's probably white is the reason why uh, uh, they will not indict him. But we don't know if Mueller is going to stick to this. We don't know if Mueller's going to follow what the Justice Department wants. He could. He might. But if, it, if he does, I still say bullshit. This president can be indicted. We don't have to wait until he leaves office. If he resigns, if he loses the next election, he should be indicted now as president of the United States. It will tear this country apart. It surely will. And I think that's one of the reasons why they have this clause uh, not to indict a sitting president because they know it will tear this country apart. They know it. In that case, maybe I'm a little lenient, lenient, but still, Donald Trump will be indicted at some point, and I think he knows it. Whether he's impeached or not, I don't know. But I would rather see Donald Trump go to fucking prison. I'd rather see him be locked up, take out, <laughs> hopefully, out of a fictional video, but actually taken out of the White House and put in a paddy wagon on his way to prison. This, this man deserves prison more than any of the folks that have gone who worked for him. And that's another thing. Everybody around Donald Trump goes to prison except for him. He doesn't go simply because of the Justice Department saying that a sitting president cannot be indicted. And I just said bullshit. The Constitution allows for a sitting president to go prison when they commit crimes against the United States. Give me a break. We'll be right back, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of the George Wilder Jr. Show. Make sure you tell the people about the show. We'll be right back. I'm Brian Stelter, and this is Reliable Sources, our weekly look at the story behind the story of how the media really works, how the news gets made, and how all of us can help make it better. Ahead this hour, new and shocking revelations about misconduct at CBS. Details keep coming out, so I'm going to speak with one of the women who is accusing Les Moonves of sexual assault. 
She says Moonbez took her whole career away. Plus, is the weekly standard shutting down? And what would that say about conservative media in the age of Trump? We'll get into that. And later, uh, a brand new effort to make digital media work, to make it sustainable as a business. We'll talk about what the correspondent is and why it needs a million dollars to launch. But first, how to make sense of all the damning new information about President Trump, hush money payments, Russia synergies, and layers and layers of lies. Friday's scramble to cover all the latest court filings happened on live TV. I'm sure you saw it unfold as reporters read through 47 pages about Michael Cohen's crimes, 10 pages about Paul Manafort. It took a little while to comprehend what was revealed, but by now we know the headlines. The president has been implicated in two federal crimes dating back to 2016. That's the Michael Cohen campaign finance case, not the Russia conspiracy. But as David French wrote in National Review, Robert Mueller's filings about Paul Manafort and Russia are also ominous for Trump. Uh, the filings were still just a glimpse of the full picture. The Washington Post says Mueller flashed some cards in his Russia probe, but is still hiding his hand. Some columnists are going further, saying Mueller is telling us he's got Trump on collusion. That's the conclusion from a, New York, uh, from a Daily Beast writer. What we know for sure is that Trump remains under investigation uh, for numerous reasons, including a possible obstruction of justice. He's doing things in real time right in front of us that may count as witness tampering. But in Trump world, the land of make-believe, all of this is bogus. And unfortunately, too many commentators on the right are playing along and covering for Trump. Notice, of course, this weekend's big tweet, the, the, the most shocking tweet of all from this weekend. The president saying about the filings that it totally clears the president. And then he adds, thank you, with an exclamation point. Now, I don't know if he's lying in that case. Trump may actually believe he's been cleared. That would be even worse, right? Being delusional is even worse than lying. But either way, he's being deceptive. Remember, Trump's deceptions are a sign of disrespect. He's talking down to you. He's talking down to his fans. He's disrespecting his supporters and the rest of the country by constantly saying stuff that's not true. And, and by the way, many of his allies, his aides, his former fixer Michael Cohen, his former campaign chair Paul Manafort, all of them proven to have lied again and again. It's a sign of disrespect. And, and when we in the press repeat those lies, just quote Trump or others without correcting him, we just make a bad situation worse. We must have respect for the audience, for the public, even though Trump doesn't. Now, there's a lot to talk about here. We have an excellent lineup of guests to talk through it. But let's start with CNN political analyst Carl Bernstein. He's joining me from Munich, Germany today. Uh, Carl, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, some news from earlier in the day here on State of the Union. Uh, we hear Jerry Nadler, uh, who's of course going to be running a key House committee very, very soon, saying that what we're learning about Michael Cohen and President Trump and the hush money payments, uh, that could, he believes, be an impeachable offense. What's your interpretation? It certainly looks uh, like they are the kind of offenses uh, that would call for impeachment hearings into the conduct of the President of the United States. There's something much more important than just impeachment going on, and that is the fact that Donald Trump, for the first time in his life, is cornered. Uh, he is, as a businessman, he always could bully his way out of a corner. He always could buy his way out, cheat his way out. He is boxed in by Mueller, and the people around him know that he is. And it's on the question of collusion, possible collusion with Russia, and unquestionably a massive obstruction of justice that is now demonstrable for all to see 
uh, led by the President of the United States to cover up whatever the dealings of himself, his family, his mm. aides were with Russia. We don't know what those dealings were in detail, but it's clear that Mueller is now connecting the dots between a massive obstruction intended to hide the truth about the Trump campaign, Trump, his business organization, and his family from uh, the, the investigators. Uh, from your sources, from the folks you talked to, how much longer do you expect this to go on for? Because I, I think there is a sort of exhaustion among many members of the, of the public and even some members of the media about this ongoing scandal. Uh, certainly there have been no leaks out of Mueller's shop and we don't know how long it's going to go on except that he keeps developing new information and as we saw in the important uh, filings with the court on Friday, this is crucial information that contradicts directly what President Donald Trump has been saying over the weekend, namely that somehow he's been exonerated by the special prosecutor. To the contrary, the opposite is the case. And also, I've been talking to people in, in Washington, and his aides, including his legal team, are well aware that at least one of the principal witnesses who has been interviewed by Mueller, a major figure in this investigation, came out of being interviewed by Mueller and said they know everything about Russia, meaning right. all of the presidents, uh, Donald Trump, his business dealings in Russia, uh, as well as Russian figures trying to be in touch with the campaign. Mm. Does that mean there is a conspiracy or collusion? We don't know, but what we do know is that all of the lies, the most important lies told by Trump, told by his son, told by uh, his campaign ads, told by Flynn, told by Manafort, and you can go on and on, they're all about Russia. Why, why is this if there's no collusion, if there's nothing there, if there's nothing to investigate? It's all about Russia. Hmm. There's a really interesting piece of reporting in the newspaper that's your alma mater, the Washington Post, uh, this morning's post, describing Trump's reaction to all these revelations, the damning new information. The Post says the White House is adopting what one official termed a shrugged shoulders strategy for the Mueller findings, calculating that most GOP base voters will believe whatever the president tells them to believe. Your reaction to that? So, so. Well, so far it's been true of the base. They are prepared and have been so far to believe anything that, that Trump tells them. However, it doesn't mean that the base is all of the Republican Party if this conspiracy to obstruct justice is as huge as it looks. At some point, some kind of important Republicans are going to peel away from defending Trump and then perhaps this house of cards will start to fall a bit because nobody wants to be uh, defending the indefensible. And it looks certainly on the obstruction uh, and what that obstruction was about, that we may be heading toward the indefensible for even many of the, the president's backers, not the most adamant of them, not all of that 40% out there, but in Congress, there are two things happening in Congress. One is what you're hearing 
in public from the congressmen who are Republicans and two, what they're saying in private to each other. And they are shaken in private, many of them. Uh, and they are very worried about where this is going to go. And they're also very worried about Donald Trump's conduct since the midterm yeah. elections, when he became Trump more aware of where the special prosecutor was headed, how boxed in he is, he has not been acting rationally uh, in, in the regard of many members of Repu uh, Republicans in Congress. He has been acting in their words, not my words or mm. journalists' words, unhinged, uh, much more than usual. And, and you go to my colleague Bob Woodward's book, where those closest to Donald Trump in terms of being his aides, cabinet members, we saw it in what Tillerson said the other day, they believe, many of them, that Donald Trump himself is a threat to the national security of this country. And we are seeing it as well in his reaction to Mueller. You know, we could be in for a very, very rough ride the next few months as Trump tries to fight this uh, we've never been in this territory with Donald Trump. We were there with Richard Nixon, but Trump is a very different figure who has absolutely no regard for the rule of law, for the primacy of law, for tradition, for what the White House traditionally stands for. Uh, and this could be an event that makes the world tremble. We just don't know what we do. We just don't know. Better find out. This is what I
should not take the position that Donald Trump cannot be indicted. This should not happen. They should not do that. I mean, what is this? You mean to tell me that the DOJ, the Department of Justice, is preempting the Constitution? Trump can be indicted. Trump should be indicted as a sitting president. This doesn't. This is bullshit. I'm pretty sure uh, that Robert Mueller is going to follow uh, guidelines because he's the type of guy who follows, from what I hear, who does things things the right way. I mean, he doesn't uh, ruffle any feathers. If something says that it can't be done, and it's the Department of Justice, the FBI, and he is an FBI man, I'm pretty sure he's going to go for it. But still in all, uh, I don't think this should preempt the Constitution. There's nowhere in the Constitution that says, can I be indicted? Oh, yeah, Donald Trump is scared shitless. He, he is scared shitless because the man loves power. He will not resign. He just may, <laughs> he just may go kicking and screaming. They're going to need the national. And the moment he leaves it, my understanding is that he will be indicted because he will be a private citizen. He has to answer for his numerous crimes. Numerous crimes. But right now, as you've heard, the Republicans are protecting him. A lot of them are starting to peel away from him because they're thinking about their uh, futures. They're thinking about their careers. They're starting to peel away. They're thinking about their country. They know the blue wave has spoken. There was a blue wave, and there's going to be even a a much more of a blue wave in 2020 because Donald Trump sealed it when he he gave this uh, Oval Office meeting, which was nothing but a clown show. The world saw how, you know, Donald Trump... uh, how unhinged and stupid and crazy that he really is. That he really is. And I'm, my thing is I'm hoping that the Democrats who take uh, the, House Re- the House of Representatives back next month from the date of this show, that they don't become weak. They don't become complacent. They don't become spineless. You know, because we're the ones who gave them their power. We gave them the House of Representatives. The people out here, the grassroots people, me, you, they, we gave these people the House of Representatives. We want them to do the right thing. We want them to check and balance Donald Trump, if not impeach him, and hopefully try to persuade the Justice Department to get up off that bullshit that he can't be indicted because he's a sitting president. That's nowhere in the Constitution. He can be indicted. I think... Uh, if the Department of Justice is saying that Donald Trump cannot be indicted, 
Well, I, I'm thinking that they are part of the uh, conspiracy to protect John, Donald Trump, protect him. But they can't do it because the Dems are in control now. I just wish we could have won the Senate. That would have been a lot better. Then <laughs> we could really impeach Donald Trump. You know, but the Republicans are not going to do it. But some Republicans are, as I just got through saying, they're going to start thinking about their futures. They're going to think that their future is not in good hands when it comes to Donald Trump and his problems. They will will realize or have realized that they are on a sinking fucking ship. This is why Donald Trump hasn't found a chief of staff. So far, he hasn't found one. But I'm hearing that he's looking at his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, to be the to be his next chief of staff. I mean, if Jared Kushner, Donald Trump's son-in-law, becomes the next chief of staff, then we know <laughs> that it's going to be a lot worse in the Oval Office and in the White House than it was under John Kelly. John Kelly. Because we all felt thought that John Kelly was going to bring some kind of sanity uh, to the Oval Office, to the White House. He didn't. He didn't. He did not. And what makes us think uh, son-in-law Jared Kushner is going to bring uh, uh, this to the White House? Trump is going to run all over this guy if he decides he wants to be chief of staff. Trump is going to run all over this guy. He's going to talk all over him, under him, because Trump is going to figure that he's smarter than his son-in-law, as he always figures that he's smarter than everybody. Trump thinks he's smarter than everybody, even, even the professionals, even the, the experienced people who have, who have uh, a lot of experience knowing what they do know, like lawyers, doctors, scientists. Trump thinks he's smarter than all of those folks. He's not. If you <laughs> if you uh, uh, been researching Trump and following Trump, you know that he's not nowhere near it. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna be right back, and you know George Wanda Jr. show is now on the air, and um, wow, it's just always so much. It is just always so much. We'll be right back. I bring in my first guest, senior political commentator Van Jones. And Mike Shields, also Republican strategist Rick Wilson. I have to start with this question. Van Jones, I'm going to ask you first. Does this president have no sense of decency? Well, apparently not. I mean, part, part of what I think is, is so tragic is that this was a tremendous opportunity for the country, not just President Trump, but for the country, to finally give Duke. You know how these people don't know how to answer a yes or no question? You ever watch... Some of these cable news shows and some of these guests come on the show and the moderator asks them a yes, just a yes or no question, and how they do not know how to say yes or no. They always have to talk around the question, above it, never really answer it. I hate people like that. I, I, well, I don't hate them. I just hate that they act that way. You know, I mean, if I ask a guest that comes on this show a straight for yes or no question, that's what I want, just a yes or no answer. I don't need you to talk for 15 and 20, 15 to 20 minutes and basically still not answer the question. 
You know, you got a lot of people who come on some of these shows. You ask them a, a straightforward question, they'll start talking about something else. You know, uh, there's they will act like this. You ask them a, a straightforward question. Well, the real question should be, a, but this should be the real question. You know, they're they're bi- bypassing your question. And a lot of the moderators let them get away with that. If they come on this show and I ask them a, a straightforward question, you better give me a yes or no answer. I don't need to, uh, you to be talking all around the question that I just asked you. I would like for you to answer it. That's why you're on the show. But a lot of these assholes, they come on the, they come on the show to be interviewed. You ask them a straight and direct question. Hey, they're talking about something else, totally different. And they think that's fine and that's okay. You know. Uh, if you come on my show and I'm paying you to be on, I want you to answer a fucking question, yes or no. And then some people do, some some people do answer the, some people do answer a yes or no question with lots of detail. That's fine, that's fine. But do not pivot away from the question that I that I asked, you know. But basically, answer the question. Uh, verbatim, uh, word for word. You know, I don't need you to be talking about this or that or saying that the, that's not the question. Here's what we should be talking about. No, 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 no. This is my show. We talk about what the fuck I want to talk about. A lot of these moderators on television and radio, they don't know how to say that. They don't know how to present that uh, to their audience. I mean, because, I mean, if you're a listener, you're going to get pretty pissed off because you're listening to a guest on the show that's not being straightforward that's not being straightforward and a lot of times you you ask a guest a simple question they get pissed off and walk off the show and try to say that you're twisting their words or that you you know you're you're progressive you're racist and all that kind of stuff when you just ask a simple question that they did not want to answer or they could not answer or they could not answer and I, I don't like that. I just don't. Uh, you come on my show. Uh, if I'm watching you on another show, whether it's re- or if, if I'm listening or whether it's television or radio or whatever or live. I mean, if, if the moderator asks you a simple, simple, dimple question and you, you know, talk all around the question, talk under it, over it and never really answer the question. And you've been talking for five minutes. This is really, really bad in cable news. It is really bad in cable news, and, and, and the viewers are not fooled. We are not stupid. We are not dumb. Some of us are, but most of us are not. Most of us are not. Answer the fucking question. You know, I mean, don't, don't talk around it. We don't need a lot of fucking detail. Just a simple yes or no answer. But a lot of politicians, they can't do that. I'm, and I'm talking about Democrats and Republicans. They just cannot answer a simple question when they sit down for an interview. You know, and this pisses me off. And what I, if I'm watching television and someone comes on television, uh, you know, on a, in a talk show or something, and the moderator asks them a simple yes or no question, uh, and they start talking all around the question, I just grab my remote and turn it off. You've got nothing to say to me if you can't answer a direct question put to you a, a simple question not a hard direct that you got to talk all around for five minutes and still not answer the question that's not good for anybody that's somebody who just show voting 
All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. It is 647 in the city of Chicago. It is dark. It is cool. It is great. It's beautiful. I hope wherever you are in the world that you're doing great, that you're doing fine. Everything is is working your way, going your way. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man, it is so much. It is so much news happening. I mean, with Donald Trump's presidency, folks, this is going to be a hell of a decade. It's going to be, I mean, 50 years from now, 100 years from now, we're going to be talking about this shit. This is why <laughs> This is why I wrote a book about it. I'm writing a book about it. We're going to be talking about this stuff. And um, have you noticed Donald Trump is not really pissed off about these books anymore that's been written about him that he says that he says are a bunch of lies? You know, he he's not sued anybody as like he said he was going to sue Bob Woodwork for his book. He was going to sue a lot of uh, Stephanie. No, 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 no. Stormy Daniels for her book, I believe. Omarosa for her book. Michael Wolf for his book. Donald Trump is not going to sue anybody. Why? Because he doesn't want his dirty laundry to be to air. Because if he sues somebody, you know, we're going to we're going to see into Donald Trump and he doesn't want that. So he just threatens to sue. He makes Donald Trump makes a lot of threats that he doesn't um fulfill. Yeah, the threats that he just he just makes them to see how we react. You know, you know, however, I think if the Democrats would have lost the House of Representatives, uh his threats would come true. And another thing, I think Donald Trump actually, I know Donald Trump is more pissed off at the Republicans than he is the Democrats for losing the House of Representatives because he felt that the Republicans would have won the House of Representatives, he would free, he would be free to be dictator, and and he would, he would, you know, he would because they would not check and balance him; they would just let him have his fucking way in ruining the country, and ruining the country. Okay, you, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We will be right back. We're going to take a musical break, folks, and we will be right back. Stay with me. One day. How much I love you, and if you leave, you lose a precious love. How much I love you, and if you
Trump day after day waging a war on reality. Let's be honest, let's talk about his relationship with reality. Confronted with facts that don't fit his view of the world, his strategy is this. It's simple. Deny, deny, deny. Okay, let's just start with today. Falsely claiming that migrant children were not tear gassed at the border this weekend. We don't use it as well. Okay, so facts really matter, right? And the fact is, children were tear gassed. You can see that for yourself in this picture. There it is. This is a president who not only denies reality, denies what we have seen with our own eyes, he denies what members of his own administration tell him. Think about that. There is the big climate change report the White House tried to bury by releasing it on the day after Thanksgiving. A report produced by a team of 13 federal agencies. 1,656 pages full of facts, of science, and really frightening predictions about what could happen as temperatures continue to rise. Food could be scarcer. The U.S. economy could lose hundreds of billions of dollars, and thousands more Americans, quite frankly, could die. We're already seeing evidence that this country is being hurt by climate change. Farmers in Georgia could lose two and a half billion in the wake of Hurricane Michael. But when burying that report didn't work, President Trump, or President T, as he has nicknamed himself this weekend, simply said he doesn't believe it even though it's his own administration's report. Yeah, I don't believe it. No, no, I don't believe it. This is a president who's not only anti-science, he's anti-intelligence. His own CIA (laughs) has concluded that Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman personally ordered the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. But President T continues to define, to defend, I should say, the Saudis and the Crown Prince, saying maybe he did and maybe he didn't. And he's made it very clear why he's so willing to defend the Saudis. It's all about the Benjamin. Concerned that they're not punishing Saudi Arabia more to send a message to other world leaders that they can do as they believe in America could weaken their eyes? No, not at all. Saudi Arabia has been a uh, long-time strategic partner. Uh, they're investing uh, hundreds of billions of dollars in our country. I mean, hundreds of billions. And of course, this president has consistently ignored the clear conclusion of his own intelligence community that Russia interfered 
in the 2016 election. Tonight in Mississippi, at it again, falsely calling the Russia investigation a witch hunt. We have a lot of bad people. We have a lot of phony stuff like the Russian witch hunt garbage. So this is not true. No matter how many times he says it, the fact is this. Three people have been sentenced to prison in the Russia investigation. Ask them if they think it's phony. One of them, George Papadopoulos, just started his sentence today. 35 people and entities have been charged with a total of 191 criminal counts. 191 criminal counts. So witch hunt? Not so much. So maybe it shouldn't be a surprise that this president seems awfully eager to let the Russians off the hook for opening fire on opening fire on and seizing three Ukrainian vessels near Crimea. And act the president's own ambassador to the UN, Nikki Haley, says the international community must condemn. But the president himself was about as mealy-mouthed as he could possibly be. Why can't the tough guy be tough on Russia? We don't like what's happening. And hopefully it'll get straightened out. On the same day, the president bragged about manufacturing jobs. The previous administration, they said manufacturing's never coming back. It's gone. You need a magic wand. Well, we found the magic wand, and that's actually... That's actually going to be increasing by a lot in the next short while because we have a lot of companies moving in. That was the same day he bragged about manufacturing jobs. It was bad news for GM today. The company announcing it will cut 15% of its jobs and close five North American plants. Yet this president has nothing but bluster for CEO Mary Barra. I was very tough. I spoke with her when I heard they were closing. And I said, you know, this country's done a lot for General Motors. Empty, tough talk. Ignoring the facts even when they come from his own administration. It seems that people only tell the truth about this president when they've got one foot out the door. Here's the latest example. Congresswoman Mia Love, a member of the president's own party. She conceded today to Democrat Ben McAdams in their Utah congressional race and slammed the president for saying this. Mia Love gave me no love, and she lost. Too bad. Sorry about that, Mia. Well, the congresswoman took a big gulp of truth serum and said this. This gave me a clear vision of his world as it is. No real relationships, just convenient transactions. That is an insufficient way to implement sincere service and policy. And there is another inconvenient fact facing this president. Six in 10 Americans disapprove of the job Donald Trump is doing as president. According to a Gallup poll out today, just 38% approve. That's too high. But it's unlikely the president will get the message. Because listen to what he said in response to that classic Thanksgiving Day question. One any child can answer. What are you thankful for? For having a great family and for having uh, made a tremendous difference in this country. I've made a tremendous difference in the country. Hmm. 
thankful for himself. Thankful for himself. Kind of says it all, doesn't it? Yep. Ted Nugent says Democrats should be shot like coyotes. Crazy Ted Nugent. And I, I'm going to say this about Ted Nugent. I, I have never liked him. I don't think his music, his music is uh, bullshit. But he, he's always saying something controversial. This is another Republican, another asshole Republican who says things to get attention, just like Ann Coulter. A lot of these Republicans, uh, Fox Republicans, Fox News Republicans, they say shit to get uh, to get attention, to get on Facebook, to get in the media. They say dumb crap. Okay, he said motormouths. <laughs> Somebody calling him motormouth. Ted Nugent says Democrats should be shot like coyotes. Luckily, I'm not a Democrat. But still in all, that's wrong. That is wrong. I'm an independent. Um, but I, you know, last when I voted, me and my son uh, and others voted uh, Democratic. Ted Nugent. I was wondering where he was hiding. In some deep sewer hole somewhere. I'm pretty sure. Democrats should be shot like coyotes. I mean, this guy should give up his human race card. <laughs> He's pitiful. He's somebody you can just laugh at now when he makes these idiotic statements that gets him uh, airtime or, or, or on Facebook or in the media, whatever. He says something dumb. Uh, and uh, that's just, that's what Republicans do, say something dumb. And I've, I've said this several times, several times, we got to do a better job as voting these fuckers out of office. We really have to do a better job in voting out Republicans. We've done a great job in November, but we have to do a better job. I think the more the more we vote out Republicans, I think the cra- the, the more crazier they are going to get. The more crazier that they're going to get. We have to vote all these jackasses out of office. They're insane. They're criminals. They're a syndicate. They're a mob. Gangsters. Uh, you name it. Thugs. They they all should be locked up or either voted out of office and never vote them back in again in life. We know what they're about. We know what white nationalists, white supremacists, racist pigs. Lining their pockets with taxpayer money, stealing, Russians, Nazis. This is what Republicans are all about. And I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I'm not going to be embarrassed about it. White people are ruining America, period. Even white people agree with that. I mean, that's not a racist statement. It's only a racist statement if you want it to be a racist statement. But coming from me, the guy who said it, it's not a racist statement. But it's reality. It's true. White people are ruining America. It's going to take every national every nationality to put it back together. Hillary Clinton said one time, said it one time, um, Republicans fuck up. I mean, she didn't use fuck up, but I'm I'm just gonna say it. She said Republicans when Republicans fuck up in office, Democrats have to come in and clean it up. And she's right. She's right. Every time the Republicans screw up, mess up, fuck up in office, and they get voted out, Democrats win. We got to come in and clean it up. 
Democrats have to go in and clean clean the mess that the Republicans made up. Just like um, now, the, the, the Democrats hold the House of Representatives. They're going to have to, once they're sworn in next month, they're going to have to clean up clean up what the Republicans have fucked up. They're going to have to say, hey, the Constitution still stands. It is not something to wipe your butt with. It is something there. It is a list of laws that you have to abide by or get your ass thrown out or get out. And she was right. I mean, you know, uh, every time. Republicans fuck up in office, screw up the screw up the country. The Democrats come in, and and have to straighten it out. But this time the people spoke, and the Democrats, the newly elected Democrats in the House of Representatives, they better pay attention. They just can't go off all cocked because they got power. And be wimps, spineless. We voted for you to put a check on this president. We voted for you to help send this motherfucker to prison. We want him out of office. We don't like him. We cannot have Democrats who will not adhere to the voters. We gave you this win. The Democrats were out of power since 2010. Until we voted them back in. They would have still been out of power if we did not galvanize and produce a blue wave that gave them power, that put Nancy Pelosi back where she wanted to be. I mean, you heard me many times on this show saying, hey, I don't want to see Nancy Pelosi as of the House. But they overrode me. What can I say? You know, but if she fucks up, if she gives in to Trump, if she gives in to the Republicans, if she doesn't do what the people want her to do, she says she's out of there anyway. Well, she should be. She's 78 years old, 79 years old. I always felt that she was too old. But I'm hearing now that she's going to do four more years uh, in Congress, and then she's out. Well, fuck, she was out for, <laughs> she was out for eight years when they didn't have uh, any power. But it's the people who did this. And it just aches me to see Democrats act as if they're God Almighty because we're giving them power and they're going to do things the way they want to do do it and not do it the way the people want them to do it. They have to constantly realize and tell themselves they are in power because of the blue wave that each and every one of us initiated around the country. We don't want to see any weak-ass Democrats in Congress. We don't want to see any spineless Democrats in Congress. We want to see Democrats who are going to stand up to Donald Trump and stand up to these fucked-up Republicans. This is what we want to see. This is what we voted for. We didn't vote for people to not answer questions. We didn't vote for people who to pivot around uh, certain issues. We didn't vote for someone who... We didn't vote for people to be statesmen-like when the Republicans are in the gutter. We didn't vote for someone not to answer simple questions. We didn't do that. If the Democrats can't 
deliver, we will vote them out just like we voted them in. We will vote in other candidates who are going to do something about this. And if they fuck up, we're going to vote them out. Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, they have the stage. It's up to them to do something about this bullshit that's going on in Washington, period. They have to do something. That's why we gave them the power. We gave them the power because we are the ones included in the blue wave. We want to see them do something. We don't want to see them buckle down under Trump. We don't want to see them kneeling in front of the Republicans. We, don't, we want the Democrats to stand up, show some backbone, and give us our country back away from these jackass Republicans.
General is suing President Trump and his three oldest children, alleging, quote, self-dealing and other persistent illegal conduct at the president's charity, the Donald J. Trump Foundation. Among other things, the president is now accused by New York State of treating his nonprofit like his personal checkbook and using the tax-exempt funds to pay off his business creditors, promote his hotels, decorate a Trump golf club, and even stage a multi-million dollar giveaway at a 2016 presidential campaign event in Iowa just days before the crucial caucuses there. Let's go to CNN's Jean Cazares. She's joining us from New York. So, Jean, walk us through these uh, allegations. And there are many. This is a 41-page verified petition. The defendants are Donald J. Trump personally, the Donald J. Trump Foundation, Don Jr., Eric, and Ivanka Trump. And it alleges that the board of directors of this charitable foundation have not met since 1999, that it is merely a shell to benefit Donald Trump personally and his businesses. It does say, in part, quote, the petition filed today alleges a pattern of persistent illegal conduct occurring over more than a decade that includes extensive unlawful political coordination with the Trump presidential campaign, repeated and willful self-dealing transactions to benefit Mr. Trump's personal and business interests and violations of basic legal obligations for nonprofit foundations. And it cites many examples, one being, and you may remember this, the Iowa fundraiser in January of 2016. It was a fundraiser for veterans, and Mr. Trump, presidential candidate at that point, uh, participated in Iowa collecting those monies in lieu of a Republican presidential debate. Well, they say that the foundation uh, raised the money for veterans organizations, but the verified petition says that it was planned, organized, financed, and directed by the campaign, violation of New York state law and charitable laws. Well, we also now have a response from the Trump Foundation, and it is very strong. We, it says in part, this is politics at its very worst. The foundation has donated over 19 million to worthy charitable causes, more than it even received. The president himself or through his companies has contributed more than 8 million. The reason the foundation was able to donate more than it took in is because it had little to no expenses. This is unheard of for a charitable foundation. And Trump, what they are asking the court to do is to close down this foundation. They want it done under the responsibility and observation of the court. And they are saying that Donald Trump should no longer be able to participate in any form or fashion of a charitable foundation for the next 10 years. And his children, who are also, as I said, those co-defendants, they cannot involve themselves with a charitable foundation under New York state law for one year. Yeah, they also want uh, the, the president to pay $2.8 million and additional penalties as a result of this as well. Gene Cazares, thank you very much. Uh, the president indicating he plans to fight uh, this lawsuit. He says in part, and let me quote, the sleazy New York Democrats, and they're now disgraced and run out of town, uh, AG Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, are doing everything they can to sue me on a foundation that took in $18,800,000 uh, and gave out, more, uh, gave out charity more to ch gave out to charity more money than it took in uh, nineteen million two hundred thousand dollars I, I won't settle this case uh, new york's attorney general just tweeted uh, a response uh, and she also had an interview on cnn listen to this 
Mr. Trump has tweeted a response. Here we go. The sleazy New York Democrats and their now disgraced and run out of town AG Eric Schneiderman are doing everything they can to sue me on a foundation that took in $18.8 million and gave out to charity more money than it took in, 19.2. I won't settle this case. What do you make of that? What's your reaction? Um, well, there are several points that are made there. Um, this is not uh, either a sleazy or political action, nor was it brought by Mr. Schneiderman. Um, this is a straightforward case of um, violation of the laws governing charitable foundations and nonprofit corporations in New York. Um, so, Attorney General, that's my response to the. <laughs> all right, that's your response. So you're saying it was not brought by Mr. Schneiderman, but the tweet goes on to say Schneiderman, who ran the Clinton campaign in New York, never had the guts to bring this ridiculous case, which lingered in their office for almost two years. Now he resigned his office in disgrace, and his disciples brought it when we would not settle. <laughs> um, we brought this case when we were confident that we had the evidence and the legal uh, arguments to back it up, and it was not, it obviously was not settled. Um, uh, that's usually how cases are brought. There's nothing unusual about that. Barbara Underwood, the, uh, the Attorney General of New York State, speaking with CNN's uh, Chief International Anchor, uh, Christian Amanpour. Uh, right, let's get back to the panel. Seth Waxman, you're a former federal prosecutor. You've looked through this document. All of us have read the document by now. Uh, how strong of a case does New York State have against the President and his children? Well, it, it seems very strong, but let's be clear at the outset that there's a difference between a civil case and a criminal case. So at the end of this civil case that the AG has brought, the worst thing that can happen to Mr. Trump and his family is a uh, monetary fine. So no one can go to jail for this lawsuit. On the other hand, as I've understood it, there have been referrals made to the Federal Election Campaign Commission and the IRS. When Donald Trump, the president, signed this tax form that's associated with charitable foundations, a, a 501c3, he signed and said that all the money being brought in was going to be used for charitable purposes. If that is a lie, that is perjury. That can be a federal crime. In addition, if monies are taken from donors under the auspices that it's going to go for some charitable purpose and it's diverted to someone's personal bank account to their personal interest, but it, be it political campaigns, you know, dressing up a golf club or whatever, that can be fraud. And that can be, under the federal law, wire fraud, which is a 20-year criminal penalty in jail at maximum. So for me, what's the most concerning about this, if I'm the president, isn't that someday he might have to pay some monetary fines. I don't know that he much cares about that at the end of the day. My concern, if I'm him and his lawyers, is that there could be a criminal referral to a U.S. attorney's office, and now he's back in the soup of yet another criminal investigation. Yeah, it's a significant uh, uh, allegation made uh, by the New York State Attorney General, Margaret, uh, that uh, they used this charity for political purposes in the days leading up to the Iowa caucuses, and that they've got uh, text messages here from the then uh, Trump campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, explaining what should be done with this money that's being raised. Uh, charitable foundations are not supposed to be involved in politics. Yeah, that's right. And I think Seth is certainly right that if this were to take on some sort of a criminal element or aspect uh, on a parallel track, it would obviously be a, a huge story at that point. Uh, but there is a softer impact to this right now that is potentially real also, and that is that it goes to the credibility and the trustworthiness of the Trump 
organization in general and charitable claims. And uh, don't forget, the president is currently engaged not just in midterm campaigning, but has a re-election campaign that has been up and running for some time. And um, among some segments of his base or supporters, his uh, the ability to, to trust his word and to know that when he says he's trying to help coal miners, that he's trying to help, you know, recovering, you know, veterans who are home and looking for jobs, all of that matters too. So there's sort of this parallel track of potential impacts, and, and one deals with the unknown. Something we haven't seen yet is whether there, are, whether there's going to be a criminal aspect. But the other, it just goes to this question of trust and credibility. And the president, in his tweets, uh, a couple times. April, uh, he said, I won't settle this case. Uh, he said the uh, former New, uh, New York Attorney General Schneiderman, he resigned his office in disgrace and his disciples brought it when we would not settle. He has settled cases in the past after declaring he won't settle, yeah. Trump University case. Yeah. For example, he repeatedly said he wouldn't settle, he wound up settling. But you know, there are also a lot of other cases that he hasn't settled out of court. People that worked for him building uh, his buildings or building whatever he's built, and he's tied them up in court forever. But the bottom line is, um, you know, you don't want to hear President of the United States saying, I'm not going to settle something that could have wire fraud implications or credibility implications. This is the President of the United States of America. Every American basically has to follow the rule of law, follow the, the patterns of justice and settle something. And for him to say, I'm not going to settle, it doesn't bode well. If anything, you would want to kind of work this out. But one thing that really sticks out about this case to me, just like what's happening with Mueller, they're following the trail of money. There are trails of money everywhere that's pointing to the family. And it just, it just screams to me. Um, all of this is about money from a charity that's gone to different places that weren't supposed to happen. And then you have what's happening over here with Mueller. They're pulling records and, and pulling computers, trying to find out the trail of money, because that all leads to whatever the end case is, if, if I'm correct. It's just another legal headache also for the president, the Mueller investigation. But it's about uh, money. The Michael Cohn investigation, the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York. There's a lot of legal stuff going on right now that the President of the United States has to worry about. Guys, thank On his you. birthday. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, to, the birthday President to the President of the United States. Yes. Not necessarily a nice birthday present from New York State <laughs> uh, for the President. All right, we've got a lot more news uh, that's unfolding even as we speak. North Korea releasing some new video. Uh, he held his uh, July 2016 uh, press conference uh, in which he cleared Hillary Clinton of any wrongdoing in the email investigation. But the inspector general found that he did not, uh, he was not acting out of political bias when he did that. That press conference, of course, is one in which he detailed all the things that, that Hillary Clinton did wrong, in which, uh, in which he said, however, that no reasonable prosecutor would be able to bring charges uh, against her. And of course, John, you remember that, uh, that President Trump and a lot of Republicans have claimed that the email investigation, the Clinton investigation, was rigged, that it was not done properly, that it was uh, done with political bias. According to the Inspector General, after this 18-month investigation, they found that there is no evidence to show that there was any political bias in the way the investigation was done. Obviously, there's plenty here in this report. There's about 500 pages right now that members of Congress are being briefed on. The President is being briefed personally by Rod Rosenstein, the Deputy Attorney General, so uh, there's plenty in this report for them to, for, for the Republicans and for the president to pick up on to, 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 to support the idea that the president was right 
to fire James Comey. But the top line, the important part of this, uh, is the fact that the Inspector General found that there was no political bias in the way the investigation was done, which is a key accusation that the President and Republicans right, in Congress have been making. The George Wilder Jr. Hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. 